please allow me to say thank you, Tony, for the Mount Rushmore achievements in service to our game and our country. But more importantly, deep appreciation because you went all into our game when no one else cared. When you step back, there is going to be a terrifying silence in our country's leadership voice and an empty hole in the middle of my heart. You are easily one of the finest men I know. Those are the heartfelt words of legendary U.S. soccer coach Anson Dorrance. Talking about Tony DeChico, a beloved member of the National Soccer Coaches Association of America since 1981 and longtime director of the NSCAA Goalkeeper Academy, who passed away on Monday of the age of 68 and leaves it an indelible legacy that will live on in our association for generations to come. The NSCAA collectively mourns the loss of Tony DeChico, but we also salute a man who was larger than life. The National Soccer Coaches Association of America is proud to present the NSCAA podcast presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. The NSCAA is the go-to resource for soccer coaches of any level. From education to networking, the NSCAA has something for everyone. Go to NSCAA.com to learn more about the world's largest soccer coaches organization today. Now, here's your host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and it is with a heavy yet proud heart that we bring you today's NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap as we honor a true legend of the game. As said by NSCA President Charlie Slago, quote, we've lost a true legend. Tony DeChico has contributed to every facet of the game in the United States. He will be sorely missed. And legend barely tells the story. The head coach of the 1996 U.S. Women's Olympic gold medal team, the head coach of the 1999 U.S. Women's World Cup Championship team, as well as the head coach of the U.S. Under-20 World Cup Championship in 2008. And that barely tells the story of Tony DeChico, both on and off the field. He is the winningest national team coach in U.S. soccer history with a 105-8-8 record. And he was recognized for his achievements at so many levels. He's a past member of the NSCA Board of Directors and acted as an advisory role for both U.S. soccer and FIFA. He received the NSCAA Honorary All-American Award in 1999 and was honored with the NSCAA Women's Committee Award of Excellence in 2008. He was inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame in 2012 and the NSCAA Hall of Fame in 2016. Later on, as part of today's NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap, we'll hear from Alan Koch, the head coach of FC Cincinnati, who has advanced to the final 16 of the 2017 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup and doing it in front of record crowds, 30,000 plus in Cincinnati. And we'll also hear from USA men's national team superstar Michael Bradley. But before we can even think about getting to Alan Koch and Michael Bradley, it was only fitting that we hear from some of the U.S. soccer and NSCAA leaders about the legacy of Tony DeChico, and we do that now. And we start with NSCAA Hall of Famer, U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, legendary head coach of the North Carolina women's soccer team, Anson Dorrance. Please allow me to say thank you, Tony, for the Mount Rushmore achievements 
in service to our game and our country. But more importantly, deep appreciation because you went all into our game when no one else cared. When you step back, there is going to be a terrifying silence in our country's leadership voice and an empty hole in the middle of my heart. You are easily one of the finest men I know. NSCAA and U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, the longtime Secretary General of U.S. Soccer, Hank Steinbrecher. Tony DiCicco is one of the finest men I've ever known. Uh, and he was a giant of the game. Uh, now, that's, that's easy to say because Tony had so much accomplishment. But what's hidden is how hard he pushed for the development of not only women's soccer, but soccer in this country. Years and years and years of soccer camps and as a player and as a coach. But more importantly, his uh, impact goes beyond our sport. And it goes to changing the culture of American sports in terms of women playing team sports. Uh, Tony was always an extremely strong advocate uh, for the women's game and pushed me very, very hard uh, to always deliver more and more for the woman. Uh, he was a tremendous friend uh, and uh, great coach, great man integrity. We'd argue a lot about uh, what's needed and what's not needed for the program. Uh, but I always, it was never acrimonious and never bitter. Uh, Tony DeChico is one of the fine gentlemen of the world. NSCAA past president and longtime NSCAA staff coach Shellis Heinemann. This really comes uh, quite a shock uh, this morning to hear that um, Tony DeChico has passed. Uh, he's a very private person. Uh, any of us did not even know that he was ill. But um, uh, my first memories of, of Tony was when he was a guest instructor with the NSCAA coaching courses. And Mike Verticelli used to bring him in uh, to do goalkeeping sessions. I remember uh, we were up in Binghamton, New York, and and uh, Tony was there with his wife and um, his his boys and they were all running around the pool having the greatest time and I said wow you know I didn't really realize uh Tony was such a family man and he had so many little kids running around but uh what a great human being um obviously what he's done for U.S. soccer uh winning a a world cup for the for the women's USA team been involved in youth soccer at different levels um and what he's done with the NSEA, uh, starting to and continue to grow the goalkeeping academy and the courses that we do with the NSEA, it's just, I mean, the legacy that he's left, I think was honored a couple of years ago where at the NSEA um, awards awards banquet, he, he received um, the, the honor, the highest honor that we, that we give. And, um, uh, National Soccer Hall of Fame, and I remember going up to him afterwards saying, you know, what a, well, I'm so happy for him, such a well-deserved award, but a fantastic person, uh, a friend to many of us, and a friend to, to soccer. U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer and former member of the U.S. Women's National Team, Shannon McMillan. I think first and foremost, Tony was a great guy. He absolutely loved every minute that he was out there coaching. One of my favorite lines is him walking out to practice and throwing his arms up and saying, it's a great day to play soccer. 
you know, he, he kept us all in the moment and truly enjoyed the opportunities that he had. He was a coach that had a great knack for coaching women and knowing what it took from all the personalities within our team to the fact that as women players are, you know, need a different handling than the men, men players do. And he, you know, personally, he challenged me and pushed me on a daily basis and I'm forever grateful to him. He will be sorely missed but never forgotten. And I'm also grateful to Diane and the boys who my heart goes out to for them graciously sharing him all those years with us. NSCAA's Director of Coaching Education, Ian Barker. So my personal experience with Tony um, is a really powerful one. In as much as when I came to the NSCAA, uh, not knowing Tony very well, I assumed he'd be quite a challenge to deal with because of his experiences and achievements. Um, and also, Tony, it turns out, is a little bit shy at times. And so I thought he was a bit aloof and standoffish. And what I ultimately found out was he's one of the nicest people I've worked with uh, in my professional opportunity. And uh, singular among those, those qualities uh, that I think about was that he would always take time to talk to people so anybody could walk up to him at the convention literally anybody and he'd give them a few minutes um, and he'd give a few minutes equally to national team coaches and senior instructors and powerful people um, he'd give time equally to them but also to grassroots coaches and people who were just starting off in the game so it, it seems so trite but uh, in addition to his professional achievements and accomplishments um, he was just a genuinely nice, nice man, and I will uh, certainly miss him as a friend and a collaborator for sure. Hi, my name is Courtney Sermons, and I currently am the assistant coach at Rice University in Houston, Texas. Uh, and I am talking about Tony and how he impacted me, which has made such the difference in my life. Um, and I'm so thankful for all that he gave me, which he gave me tons of confidence. Um, I met him in 2013 when I did my premier license. I, when I got my assignment for my premiere, I noticed that he was my instructor, and immediately I thought, this is going to be an automatic fail for myself, because how can the guy who won a World Cup be judging me, just Courtney Sermons, and nobody? And what was cool about Tony when we all first met him is, at first, I thought he was surprisingly shy. He's just so humble um, and so selfless and wanted to help everybody and was completely approachable, but... Even as approachable as he was, I was so in awe of him because of the legend that he is. Um, winning a World Cup, you know, coaching some of my favorite players like Michelle Akers, uh, I was always way too nervous to talk to him. So I avoided him all week. Um, and my friend Ian Barker made fun of me uh, a lot, saying, you just have to get a picture with him. So I waited until the very last day when I did my uh, oral testing and I asked Tony, shakingly, ask him for a picture. And he graciously was like, of course, I'll give you a picture. So we took a picture together, um, and Ian posted it on his Twitter, which I thought was funny. Uh, and he con constantly still makes fun of me about it. Right after that course, Tony wrote me a fantastic email saying he thought I was a great player, which I was like, oh, my gosh, you coached Michelle Akers. How can you say I'm a great player? I just played Division One soccer. I wasn't anything special but I thought that was really cool for him to say that about my playing ability. And then for him to say what he said about my coaching just propelled me into what I'm doing now and why I love the game that I did, like played for so many years 
and it's all thanks to him and the confidence he gave me because he believed in me and just made me believe in myself. And I want to do what he did of like giving confidence to younger coaches because we just need more females in the game and we need younger coaches to stay in the game. And what he said about my coaching also helped me get into the NSC associate staff. And what was cool about after that email, I saw him a week later at convention, still super nervous to say hi to him in front of everybody. And he was like, Courtney, and waves me down. And we shared a few Coronas, which I thought was way too cool. (laughs) And uh, just talked about soccer and the course and how he said he wanted help further my career. Uh, And he definitely did. He constantly stayed in touch with me wrote me the nicest emails, checked up on me, and always poked fun at me because I'd always start every email. Hi, Tony, this is Courtney Sermons. I did a course with you. I'm a tall blonde. And he would respond, Courtney, I know exactly who you are. You don't need to keep reminding me each email. So for Tony DeChico to remember me was something I'll always remember. And the way he just conducted himself with his family, uh, how he coached, the people he interacted with is something I'll always be so grateful for and those pictures that I was forced to take with him I'm going to cherish for forever so he meant a lot to me uh, and I wish I had gotten to meet him a lot sooner because he's made such an impact on my coaching career. NSCAA's Chief Executive Officer Lynn Berlin Manuel. The passing of Tony DeChico was almost an unbelievable loss for our sport. Um, He was unique in so many ways. He had participated at every level of our game. He had touched so many people, and at every level. Um, the nine-year-old who had their first camp experience at Soccer Plus, all the way to World Cup stars who played for him, um, and all will virtually equally miss him. Uh, we had just worked with him on one of his final projects, the launch of the online Goalkeeper One course for the NSCAA, which we were all we are all so proud of and um, so he's been with us a lot recently and we've gotten to work with him gotten to see him Uh, he was so full of life uh, at every moment along the way it is a loss to our association it is a loss to soccer Uh, on a personal basis I will miss him terribly he was so supportive when I came into my role as CEO of the NSCAA um, and so positive. He's always been such a supporter of women in the game, as players, as coaches, and as administrators. Um, it was unique to have a friend like that, and our game will sorely miss him. Um, he was a coach always, first and foremost. He was a teacher, he was a mentor, and he was just a very, very kind person. Um, it didn't matter whether there was something in it for him or not. He always extended that same level of kindness and courtesy and support, whether you were the highest executive or the first-time mom and dad coach. And we will miss him always. Longtime friend of Tony DeChico and former CEO of the NSCAA, Joe Cummings. Tony DeChico, for, for me, has been a dear friend for close to 40 years. Uh, living in Connecticut, and I was living in Massachusetts. We'd see each other quite frequently. Our involvement extended to U.S. soccer, to the Boston Breakers, and, of course, to the NSCAA. He was a colleague. Um, He was my coach at the Boston Breakers, and he was a dear, dear friend. And when I think about him, I think about uh, the great love he had for the game and the players he coached. 
the respect he had for the game um, at all levels, at the youth level all the way up to the to the professional level. Uh, but what I'm most struck by is how he had time for everybody. Uh, I'd be with Tony, and no matter who stopped to ask a question or an autograph or a picture, he took the time. And he made everyone that he came in contact with feel uh, important in that moment. Uh, and he did it not in an obligatory way, as if someone told him he must do this, but he did it out of the genuineness that was Tony DiCicco. Um He will be missed by so many people, and the game and the NCAA um, is better for having him be part of our lives, but we will miss him a great deal, and we'll think about him often. Indeed. Tony DeChico is survived by his wife, Diane, and four sons, Anthony, Andrew, Alex, and Nicholas. The family said in a statement on Twitter, in honor of Tony's life, we ask that the emotion evoked by his passing be channeled toward the ideals he embodied, integrity, compassion, and love. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. The NSCAA is proud to announce the launch of our Online Foundations of Coaching Diploma. This online course has been developed as the perfect introduction to coaching youth soccer for the first time and a helpful refresher for those coaches coming back to the youth game. It provides insight to targeted activities and age-appropriate instruction for beginning to advanced players and is free to NSCAA members. Visit nscaa.com jobs to learn more. Now, here's Dean. Welcome back to the NSCAA podcast presented by Team Snap. Alan Kotz joined FC Cincinnati as the director of scouting and analytics and assistant coach in December 2016 before being named the club's second head coach in February 2017. And unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about the incredible crowds of FC Cincinnati and their incredible run in the 2017 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And lo and behold, Alan Kotz, the head coach of FC Cincinnati, Cincinnati joins me now. Coach, great to be with you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Well, here's the deal. The FC Cincinnati program has caught the attention of the entire country for multiple reasons. Of course, the run in the 2017 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, but also the crowds are off the charts. And then you mix that all together. You've got the big crowd. You're playing the Columbus crew and you get the win. So let's focus first on that game, because with Major League Soccer looking over yonder, for lack of a better word, they've got to be impressed. Talk about that game, that environment, the whole night. Uh, it was a really, really special evening uh, for the team, for the club, and, and obviously for the city of uh, Cincinnati. It was great to to welcome the Columbus crew, who uh, in many ways have been the pioneers of professional soccer for the state of Ohio, obviously uh, being in MLS for such a long time and, and having the storied history that they have. So it was great for us to, to get this far uh, in the Cup and, and to play them and play them at home in front of over 30,000 fans was a was an amazing experience, and and then just the way the game unfolded, um, they put out arguably almost their their strongest group. Uh, we put out a very very good group too, of course, and uh, and thankfully got a got a positive result. 
All right, let's try to set the scene, though, for what is happening with these crowds, because even last year and now rolling into this year, I mean, a lot of times you think, okay, it's going to be just hit and miss. It's going to come. Big crowds are going to disappear. They have not disappeared. They've gotten stronger. And I understand they're chanting and cheering and singing from the moment they walk in. I mean, I got to get up there. I'm from Ohio originally, but how incredible is the atmosphere? And please don't undersell it, Coach. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, our, our fans are absolutely fantastic. Uh, obviously, spent the last few years with a, an MLS franchise in Vancouver, and, and coming here from afar, I saw what was being built. Uh, and having uh, been here now for uh, half a year, it's absolutely fantastic. And the fans are true fans of the game. Uh, they appreciate the game, and they're fully embracive of the club and, and where the club is trying to go. Look, I know you're a coach, so you know, you're not necessarily a general manager, but I can tell from your background you understand the important interface between management and what's going on on the field. What's been the secret? I mean, what can you pinpoint? What have you heard management talk about? Is it, you know, youth? Is it the millennials? Who who's at your games, coach? Everybody. Uh, there are millennials, there's youth, there's, there's obviously some, some older people. Uh, I think it's just generally timing was absolutely perfect. I think Cincinnati and Ohio obviously has a, a great history of, of soccer and the timing for this club to come in. Uh, and I give our owners and, and our presidents a, a lot of credit for, for getting everything right, uh, coming in at the right time and really building something amazing in a very, very short amount of time. And talk about the in-game experience. What kind of things are going on? Or maybe you can't focus on it because you're delivering wins for your team. You've done an amazing job, Coach. But uh, what are some of the things happening in and around the stadium that adds to the excitement of 30,000-plus? You know, from a coaching perspective, obviously, I don't see everything that's happening outside <laughs> the stadium and, and what's going on. But uh, I give our, our marketing and our ticket sales and, and everybody within the club, they've done a fantastic job to, to set things up right uh, so fans can really enjoy uh, the game, but the fan culture has really taken off, uh, and uh, I give our fans a lot of credit. Uh, the march to the stadium before the game, I've even seen videos of it. I, I had family in town, and I encouraged them to go be part of the march, and, and they watched a little bit of the march. It's absolutely fantastic. So all those little things, some of the things the club is doing, you know, some of the things that the fans are doing, really creates this unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, and when game time starts. You can feel the energy in the stadium. It's fantastic for, for us, and that's obviously fantastic for our opposition when they come into town because there's not that many places in the U.S. or, quite frankly, all over the world that, that have this type of buzz. Uh, it's, it's very, very impressive. Well, indeed. So a Captain Obvious question, but I still want to ask it anyway because I often get to sit in the best seat in the house and call games, and I can tell that the players respond to great crowds. You mentioned the opposition, but it's got to be an unbelievable recruiting tool for your team. They must respond respond in the most dramatic and successful way with this crowd behind them. Yeah, I think, I think so. We're obviously so early <laughs> in, in terms of being able to go recruit. We're in the second year uh, of, of the club. Um, so obviously when the first year was, was put in place, nobody really knew how it would take off uh, and the response was, was fantastic. So we've been able to bring in a few players uh, now in the last little while. But I think in the next year, two years and moving forward, then we'll really be able to utilize that as a great recruiting tool to, to bring in additional high-quality players. 
You're hearing the pipes of Alan Koch, the head coach of FC Cincinnati, making a successful run as part of the 2017 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And you're listening on the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap. And of course, now we're going to get into your story because I love it. And you know, with the NSCAA, they do such an amazing job supporting college soccer. And here you go, seven, I think you said seven successful years at Simon Fraser, which is unique in that it's in Canada, yet part of the NCAA is the only Canadian team to be part of the NCAAs. Talk about your path from South Africa to Simon Fraser and everything in between, Coach. Sure. Uh, I'll try to keep it as short as possible because I've had the, the benefit of being involved in this game as a player, as a coach in, in six different countries. So it's been uh, an amazing ride and I owe a lot to the game. But uh, obviously grew up in South Africa. Uh, and then I've played in Germany. Uh, I played in Ireland. Uh, I played college soccer actually at Simon Fraser in Vancouver, so that was how I initially got there. Uh, I was over in Japan briefly, coaching there for a little while too, uh, and then came to the States for the first time in 2003 um, to go initially work as a GA and then progress to an assistant coach at Midwestern State University. It's an NCAA Division II school in, in Texas. Um, progressed from there to a small private school in Kansas, Baker University, uh, and then went to Simon Fraser as the head coach, um, and then progressed from there to working at the Whitecaps. I was responsible for the MLS draft uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps, and then I uh, was the head coach of their USL team for uh, for two years and took a very, very young group uh, to the USL conference final uh, last season. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how Simon Fraser prepared you to jump to Major League Soccer because a lot of the NSCA members are, in fact, college coaches looking at professional scene and becoming a coach on the professional scene. There's so many great professional leagues now with your league, the NASL, and Major League Soccer. Talk about how Simon Fraser prepared you to make that jump, Coach. I think it was an amazing experience because for seven years I, I literally had to wear multiple different hats. Uh, and I think some people are very fortunate that they they just get thrown in and they just get to coach uh, in their careers. Um, but if you are a college coach, and a lot of college coaches can speak about this, you you go into different jobs and you have to fulfill all sorts of responsibilities. Uh, you're obviously managing student-athletes. That's the most important part of your job. But you have to manage programs. You're involved in marketing and community relations and, and working with your alumni. There's so many different facets of, of building a college program. Uh, and I think that's something that really has helped me a lot. Uh, having been down the professional game for, for several years, it's allowed me to see different things. And now coming into a club like FC Cincinnati that are doing so many of the different things that you would have done as a college coach, uh, it gives me a great appreciation uh, for the people that are doing all the different jobs. Uh, and I'm able to go out and support them as much as I can. And in terms of community relations, PR work, media, all of those different things that uh, you, you really had to rely on and, and be very, very good at uh, as a college coach. Uh, we kind of laughed about it a little bit before uh, we officially came on the air, talking about the beauty of Vancouver, such a tough place to leave. Talk about your decision after you know, a couple successful years with the uh, Vancouver program up there to come to FC Cincinnati, Coach. Oh, Vancouver is a beautiful city. Uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world to, to live in. Uh, having been here in Cincinnati, too, Cincinnati is beautiful, too, uh, just in a different way. It certainly doesn't have the ocean or the mountains, but it's got rolling hills. It's got uh, diverse people. It's got different areas that are great. Uh, I think as a coach or as a person, wherever you are, you embrace wherever you are, and, and every place has its pros and cons. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time in 
uh, Vancouver. We still have a home in Vancouver. Uh, I would not be surprised if we end up retiring in Vancouver, uh, but for now, we're very, very happy to be in Cincinnati. And how did you get that call to join Cincinnati? Uh, last uh, year, at the end of our season, um, I started getting quite a few calls, to be quite honest, from lots of different teams and because of the success that we had with the Whitecaps, too. Uh, and then was in contact uh, with FC Cincinnati towards the end of last year. Um, they were looking for an assistant coach at the time who could come in and, and help with so many different facets of the program in terms of scouting and recruitment. Uh, and, uh, and thankfully, things worked out, and, and now I've pushed on to be the head coach. Okay, so here you go. Now you're advancing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Remind everybody what's next on the schedule in the Open Cup. Yeah, we're in the round of 16 now, and next Wednesday we'll play against the Chicago Fire. In Chicago, and Chicago now on the power ratings right up top, so that won't be easy. But certainly, I imagine, is the game in Chicago or in Cincinnati? In Cincinnati. Oh, my uh, goodness. Which, uh, yeah, it should be, it should be fun. We'll... Uh, We'll hopefully have some full stands, and uh, the players will bring a lot of positive energy, but I'm sure our fans will, will come out and embrace the group and embrace the, embrace the experience. Well, that's fantastic that you were able to win the home game as well. Explain to everybody how that works as they advance. They kind of reshuffle the seeds and everything. How did you win the home, the ability to host that uh, Open Cup game? Yeah, I think they, they divided it up into different regions. Uh, they put us... Uh, uh, Miami from NASL, uh, Chicago and Atlanta, both are MLS teams into one sort of regional little bracket. Uh, and then they did the pairings and then they did a coin toss uh, to see who would host. Um, to be quite honest, I, I wasn't even watching any of it. We were too busy preparing for a training session, uh, but was notified by the club that we got to host and, and get to play the Fires. So we obviously know it's going to be a a very, very difficult game and a huge challenge uh, for us. Um, but playing at home is really, really exciting. And just like we did in the last game when we, we hosted the Columbus crew, we, we embraced that challenge. We knew we were the underdogs, but uh, we gave it everything we could. And uh, we'll do the exact same thing again next week. I used to work for U.S. soccer for years, so I'm pretty sure that coin for deciding where this one was played had a head on one side and a head on the other, both with FC Cincinnati <laughs> on it, by the way. <laughs> There's no doubt they want to come here because here's the thing as well. Major League Soccer is looking very closely. You know about the fact that Cincinnati is included, that next wave is coming. Talk about why FC Cincinnati deserves a Major League Soccer franchise. Uh, to be honest, it's quite easy. I, uh, I spent the last three years with a major league soccer team, uh, and having left Vancouver and, and come here, it's this club and this city are ready to be a major league soccer franchise. Uh, if you come to one of the games, you can see instantaneously it's it's more than ready. Uh, what happens in our stadium is truly remarkable. I think what's happening behind the scenes with our ownership group and. Uh, our president and our front office staff in terms of how they're leading this club. Uh, everybody's doing everything they can to, to set this club up for success. So uh, obviously we have a few little hurdles still to get over, um, but uh, having just come come here from a major league soccer team, this, this club is very, very ready to, to make that next step. And finally, with more people looking on now, and we hope this podcast continues to help the promotion of what you're doing with your franchise, what's the best way to describe Alan Koch FC Cincinnati soccer? high energy uh, we like to possess the ball with a purpose uh, of course uh, we obviously in every game this is professional soccer have to focus on nullifying the opposition opposition strengths uh, but then really go out and reinforce uh, how we play uh, we have a, a very very talented group of players we're, we're definitely still a work in progress i don't think our group has has peaked yet 
which I think is a positive. I don't think any professional soccer team in the MLS or USL wants to wants to peak too early in the year. Um, so we're, we're definitely working very, very hard with the group of players that we have to, to get everything out of them and and hopefully uh, continue on this upward uh, trajectory. Tell me a little bit about your team, some key players that people that uh, maybe don't know FC, FC Cincinnati should know. GB4 is our center forward. Uh, I think he's, he's scored in every game in the Cup. I think he's got eight league goals uh, so far this season. He's a Senegalese striker who he was a top scorer in Norway and he was a top scorer in Denmark uh, a few years ago. He's, he's a little bit older now. He's 32. Um, we've got guys like Corbin Bone and Kenny Walker uh, that have both been... Kenny was with LA Galaxy and Corbin was with Chicago. Um, those are two of our central midfielders. Uh, who else do we have? We have Austin Berry. Actually, he's a local kid from Cincinnati. Uh, he played for the Fire. He was MLS Rookie of the Year a few years ago. And so we've got, we got a good mix of younger and, and older guys. Um, quite a few guys from Ohio and then scattered uh, around with a few other Americans and a few foreign guys too. FC Cincinnati plays the Chicago Fire next Wednesday to advance the Elite Eight of the 2017 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Final question, Alan Koch, as we talked about, the NSCA does this great, such a great job recognizing coaches at all levels. When you're at Simon Fraser, I'm pretty sure they recognize you for your success. What do you know about the NSCAA and what has it meant to you? Oh, it means a, a heck of a lot to me, to be quite honest. I did all my... My coaching licenses were through uh, the NSCA, from the national to the advanced national to the, the premier diploma, and thoroughly enjoyed every single one of the courses and, and working with the instructors and really developing a great sense of community uh, amongst coaches. So from that perspective, educationally, it was it was a great experience. And then uh, as a coach and having been nominated for, for multiple regional and national awards, uh, I greatly appreciate the recognition that they they give to the coaches uh, because some, sometimes uh, coaching can be a very, very hard uh, career when you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall at times. But to, to receive recognition from an amazing organization um, is something I'm very, very grateful for. Finally, Coach, we started today's show with so many wonderful people, big timers in soccer, saying wonderful things about Tony DiCicco, the legendary head coach that uh, won an Olympic gold medal and a World Cup for the USA. Perhaps you didn't meet him directly, but uh, from where you sit, you certainly know of him. When you think of Tony DiCicco, what do you think? Oh, he's the epitome of a coach. It's obviously a very, very sad day for not only U.S. soccer, but I think global soccer. Uh, for what he did for, for the game in this country is truly remarkable, and he, he's really paved the way for, for so many other people and uh, it is a very, very sad day for, for U.S. soccer today. Well, though, from sad to happy, I can guarantee you, as much as Tony DeChico loves soccer, he's going to be looking down on the great city of Cincinnati next Wednesday when you take on the Chicago Fire. We appreciate your time. Great interview, great success, and good luck to your team, not only in that game, but in your pursuit of advancing to the highest level of professional soccer in this country, Coach. Perfect. Thanks, and I appreciate it. And coming up next, I had the opportunity to host a statewide radio show in North Carolina and throughout South Carolina last week. And I had on live Michael Bradley just four days after he scored that incredible goal for the USA against Mexico. I bring you my time with Michael Bradley after this message from TeamSnap and the NSCA. Communication, registration, scheduling. If those words make you cringe, you might need a little help managing your club or league. With TeamSnap, you can get it. 
Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on everything they need to keep their organization humming. That means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. The NSCAA is much more than a membership. When you join the NSCAA, you join a community who live and breathe the beautiful game just like you do. You join a network of individuals who share many of the same issues, concerns, and questions as you. Members say time and again that the number one thing they love about the NSCAA is the collegiality. From $1 million in general liability insurance to the soccer journal to awards for coaches and players, we are consistently seeking new and unique benefits to enhance your game, both on and off the pitch. Go to NSCAA.com to learn more. Chicharito being harassed. Bradley's going to escape from Herrera. Bradley trying to chip on Joa, and he scores! Michael Bradley! One of the all-time moments for the United States in this building. The sixth American ever to score a goal against Mexico in the Estadio Azteca. And what a goal! What a go indeed. What a player, folks. He's still got a long career left, but he'll go down as one of the all-time greats to wear the red, white, and blue. I can tell you that, having been the press officer for the 94 World Cup team, been a big fan of Michael Bradley from afar. And Michael Bradley, kind enough to join us now. Michael, I'm honored to be with you. Honored to listen to that goal one more time. When you hear it, can you relive it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, Obviously, for for me the most the most important thing on the night was was just the result and uh you know the fact that we had put so much into so much into the two weeks together and in, in terms of preparing for Mexico preparing for the altitude um and the way that we the way that we went after the game and the way that we had uh you know a, a group of guys who were so committed to to getting uh, an important result down there, that was that was the best part for me, and, and obviously uh, it was it was great to play uh, great to play a part. Um, but like I said, I was I ultimately just so so proud of the group and and, and what went into it. Well, I don't know how old you were in 1989, but I just joined U.S. soccer when Paul Caligiuri hit that goal against Trinidad and Tobago, and that was a special goal for so many reasons. Ended a 40-year drought, but I think uh, even you, one of those humble people that uh, have ever put on the red, white, and blue uniform, you got to admit that goal will go down as one of the the greatest ever, not just in this country, but in the world, Michael. Look, I I, I I certainly appreciate that. Um, ultimately, I, I leave I, I leave things like that for other people to decide. I I step on the field every every chance I get, ready to to give everything for the team and ready to to try to do everything I can to help us be successful. Um, you know, the, the 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 best part about playing for the national team is is when you have moments where you you realize. How 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 big and how special it is to represent the United States, and and you know I, I always I always come back to, to to what it's like you know after these big games or after uh, the big events like the World Cup, and, and to see the response from our fans and, and the people who who watch us play to see to see how proud they are um, of, of watching us. Um, that 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 part is 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 really really special. And so I think 
you know, for, for me, that'll be the part that I always remember most. Well, I read some quotes about uh, what you saw. In fact, uh, you even gave some insight into something you learned watching film. But, you know, one more time, and then we're going to move on to some other questions. But the goal is so amazing. Tell us what you saw, and then when you saw the goalkeeper, and you said you had to hit it perfect. Talk about uh, what that perfection was like. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned after the game, we, we had done – we we watched a lot of video of Mexico uh, in the days leading up to the game, and, and we knew that one of the one of the movements they 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 really liked was was Chicharito, um, you know, trying to come underneath and, and get the ball to his feet as he would as he was coming underneath the the other midfielders were looking to run into that open space, and then you know Chicharito in a lot of cases wasn't even looking to to do anything other than to just lay a little ball back to one of the one of the guys in support, and you know early on in the game I thought we found a good way to still be or you know to be organized but to still you know try to make things difficult for them in in, in those center parts of the field. Um, and, and, you know, as that play started to unfold, I, I thought to myself, yeah, he, he's looking to just lay a little ball back to, to Herrera, and I was able to step in. Um, you know, my, my first touch meant that I was, uh, you know, able to kind of push things forward, and, and as I, you know, as I looked up, I knew that, that Ochoa was, was a good way off his line, and I, I just ultimately thought that if I could – if I could catch it exactly how I wanted, that it was, you know, given his positioning and given the given the air in Azteca, that it was going to have a real chance to go in. So uh, it, it, it worked out all right. Michael Bradley, the captain of the U.S. national soccer team, and you know that uh, he has so much pride wearing the uniform. That's how he plays the game. I love your path, right? And, and we got to remind everybody that uh, your dad, Bob Bradley, who I consider one of the all-time great guys. I love the fact that he also started at Ohio University my alma mater and whenever I see your dad we always joke about uh, his time in Bobcat land as he went on to build this successful career but talk about your decision early on to go overseas Michael Bradley yeah for me it, it had always been my dream to to play in Europe to test myself uh, at that level to, to to play for for some of the biggest clubs in, in that part of the world um Obviously, I got I, I got my start in MLS. I played two years here before. Then uh, there was the opportunity to go to to go to Holland and and start to move my way up the ladder in Europe. And, and ultimately, when I got that chance, it was something that uh, it was something that I didn't want to I didn't want to turn down. Okay, so then you had the opportunity to play for your dad wearing the red, white, and blue. That's pretty darn special. Can you tell us about that? It is very very special. Um, obviously. Uh, you know the, 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 the in those in those five years that we uh, four or five years that that we had together with the national team, of course there were there were difficult moments, difficult days, difficult conversations. Um, but but even even at the time, uh, he and I both enjoyed and and appreciated every second because as you said the. The opportunity to play for your national team and to represent your country is not something that that comes around very often. And when if, when you're lucky enough to share that with uh, to share that with your dad, uh, that part is that that part is amazing and, and special and something that uh, we'll both always look back on with a lot of pride.
Okay, so a lot of listeners watching. I'm also the voice of North Carolina FC. We sent out the alert that you were going to be on. They know that, uh, you know, I'm deep into soccer. And, you know, Darren Vaught, our producer, always tells us, all right, we know you're going to take over with soccer. Now we've done it with Michael Bradley. But, you know, we also know the situation with Jurgen Klinsmann, right? And uh, you, you know, had to see your dad get fired. Talk about that. And then talk about, you know, how you kind of managed your time with Jurgen Klinsmann before Bruce took over the job. My my focus uh, and, and my uh, everything I've always been about is is stepping onto the field and ready to to do everything I can and give everything I have for the team and to help us be successful. And I did that for Bruce. I did that for my dad. I did that for Jurgen, and I'm doing that for Bruce again. Um, as, as players, there are certain things that are out of your control, and, and ultimately I will continue to, to step on the field and, and represent, the, represent our country in the, the best way I know how until, until there comes a day when the, a coach decides that he, he prefers somebody else. And that all that'll be his right, but until, uh, until that day comes, I'm going to continue to uh, enjoy it and, and and play with as much uh, commitment and pride as, as I can because it's, uh, it's a special, special opportunity. Well, that's a great answer, and, and certainly, you know, straight straight and narrow. I appreciate that, Michael. And, you know, now with Bruce Arena back, I got to tell you, the approach he took to Trinidad and Tobago, knowing that Costa Rica come next, it comes next, and then Mexico in the middle. When I was with Bora Militinovich, we went down to play Mexico at Azteca, 96,000. They beat us four to nothing. So you know how hard that is. How about this approach? Knowing all along, nobody knew it. You obviously did, that he was going to bring seven new players. Got to have you in the middle because, quite frankly we can't win without you and I mean that not even in a sycophantic way it's a fact Jack but talk about this approach I think it's brilliant right I mean you guys haven't lost a game since he took over and you're right back in the running to get to Russia yeah look Bruce has Bruce has come in and in a short amount of time done uh, done an incredible job in, in just the way he has gone about uh, working and, and reestablishing things um, I think he uh, you know, he had a, a really good idea of the of the group and and where, in some ways, we had had gone wrong in the last stretch. And you know, he and and, and his staff have have come in and have have from day one just made sure that everybody understands um, what we need to be about going forward. And in terms of these two games, uh, Bruce was very clear from the beginning that. The, obviously things can always change, but ultimately his idea was to to play to play one group against Trinidad and then to have another team ready to play against Mexico. And, and he uh, continued to, to to say all along that there were going to be there were going to be big change, you know, big changes, seven, eight, nine changes. Um, and and quite honestly, he would have made eleven if he felt like it was the it was the best thing for the team and something that gave us the the best chance to win. And after after Trinidad, uh, you know, we the, the we we recovered. We we got ourselves down to to Mexico City, and then there were conversations in the in the day or two down there. Um, 
you know, in terms of understanding who was ready to go again, who wasn't quite, um, who wasn't quite recovered, and making sure that ultimately whatever group we had on the field was ready to, ready to step on step on the field and understand exactly the way we wanted to play and exactly the way we had had prepared for the game. And um, I, I think the the two weeks went um, went. went about as well as as we could have hoped. Obviously, look, we're we're all we're all greedy, and and we always want more. And there's a part to 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 all of us that still feels like the way we played against Mexico and, and some of the chances that we had um, means that we 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 could have or should have taken three points. But we also understand that playing in Azteca is difficult, um, and and. Anytime you can get a point there, it's a good thing. And we, you know, we, we continue to grow as a, as a team and continue to move ourselves forward. And, and ultimately, that's the most important thing. You played with some great players, but how about DeMarcus Beasley? DeMarcus is incredible. Um, you know, he, he and I were he and I were joking in the locker room after the game. Uh, and, and I was telling him that I, I can remember as a yeah, – as a – as a as a fifteen year old watching him play uh, in in the two thousand two World Cup in South Korea against Mexico and in, in, in that game and, and you know just how much he how much he meant to that team and, and at that World Cup and how how special it is for me now to be able to 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 be on the field with him and to to play with him and to be a teammate of his he's given so much to to the national team and been such an important guy for so long. And, and he's an, he's another guy who shows no signs of, uh, of slowing down. Michael Bradley, greatest go ever, a sure lock Hall of Famer for U.S. soccer. I got your back, Michael Bradley. You are one of the all-time greats. Thanks for what you do for the U.S. national team. I mean it sincerely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, and give your best to your dad as well, please, and uh, your mom. Thanks so much. Michael Bradley, let's play that goal one more time going off the air. Chicharito being harassed. Bradley's going to escape from Herrera. Bradley trying to chip on Joa, and he scores! Michael Bradley! One of the all-time moments for the United States in this building. The sixth American ever to score a goal against Mexico in the Estadio Azteca. And what a goal! That's going to do it for this edition of the NSCA podcast. Thanks to Alan Koch, the head coach of FC Cincinnati, and U.S. national team superstar Michael Bradley. On behalf of the entire National Soccer Coaches Association of America, I'm Dean Linke saying to the great Tony DeChico, may you rest in peace.